freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Roy, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. Okay, start of September. Here we go. Wow. This is going to be fun. Final month of the baseball season. Start of September. Seattle Mariners are in first place. I am Mike Lefko. Good morning. Uh, no Salk, no Brock today. We have Ryan Roland-Smith joining me at 7. I'm here now. Justin's here. Mora's here. Guys, can I just get a disclaimer out of the way right now? Before we get into all the excitement, uh, I know there will be someone because I know people and I know the nature of humanity that they want to be the ones who correct you and they say, <laughs> well, actually. So I am going to mention pretty frequently that there is one month left in the baseball season. Because there is. There's, you know, 30 days plus one in October. I know that someone's going to try to text in and be like, well, actually, the season ends in October. <laughs> so let's just get that out of the way now. Good, good, good. I, I'm aware of that. I, I know the schedule. We all know the schedule. There is one month left in the baseball season. That's how we're going to refer to it. So let's just work on that assumption and get into the exciting part. Because the Mariners enter the month atop the AL West. Yes, tied with Houston, but they have the tiebreaker. That impressive 8-2 and two season mark against the Astros. So they've already won that. So right now, as it stands, the Mariners are atop the division. And you have one month left in what has been and what will be the closest division race since, crazy enough, since before the Mariners really, well, just a few years after the Mariners became a franchise. So Sarah Langs of uh, MLB Network, she finds all these terrific stats. I don't know how they dig through those archives, but she tweeted this out yesterday because everyone was off yesterday. All the teams of consequence, Astros, Mariners, Rangers, they were all off. So the standings are set going into September. And she tweeted out that this is the first time entering the final month of the season that three teams have been, been within a game or fewer of the division since 1980. 1980, and it's only happened twice. I think the other one was like 1968, 1969. I could probably look it up and get the exact number. But the 1981, that's definitely the most recent. So that's the last time that's happened, and it has never happened in the AO West. So we're witnessing something unprecedented here as the Mariners uh, get ready for a very heated division race because you have three teams within a game of each other. And they're all going to play each other pretty frequently this month. I mean, just like we all predicted back in May. <laughs> exactly. We were all saying, you know, come September 1st, the Mariners <laughs> are going to be at the top of the division. And this is going to be a really exciting month for us to be a baseball fan. We all said it. And in June. Are you, <laughs> definitely in and June. And in July. Are you more excited or more nervous? Because I definitely feel both. That's actually, it's a great question. Because I was going to ask you guys that. And I was going to ask the texters that. Oh, 866-97. No, you led me right into it. This is perfect. This is perfect radio here. 866-979-3776 on the Mac and Jack's text line. I know the tendency of sports fans, especially the pessimistic sort. I'm one of them as well. You tend to look towards what can go wrong instead of what can go right. So I am curious. Yeah, self-preservation. So exactly. Self-preservation. You know, you can't hurt me if I already know the worst thing that's going to happen. I consider it being an optimistic pessimist because if you plan for the worst, you're pleasantly surprised. So if something goes wrong, it's like, okay. (laughs) But if something goes right. You get the benefit of that. Yeah, but there's a, there's a subset of fans who revel in being right when things go wrong and then are still allowed to just be like, oh, cool, great. Now, I don't, now, we're now that the, we're this late right. in the season, I don't think that'll be the case. Okay. Maybe over the longer picture of a whole season, you are saying, okay, maybe I'm feeling vindicated. If it never plays out like you want, at mm-hmm. this point, no one's thinking that way. I think at this point, 
even the people that you know kind of love to revel in the misery, they're going to be devastated because it's here. It's so close. The opportunity awaits. So all these people are fans. At their core, you want the best. No fan, even the self-loathing, hey, I don't want to get hurt fans, truly want the Mariners to lose. So when it comes down to it, yes, they all want them to win. But a good point there by Moore as we threw it out there. 866-979-3776. Are you more nervous or more excited about this final month of the season? And you know what? Those can go hand in hand. Sometimes that's what makes sports great. You oh, want those big both. stakes. You want those big situations. Think about how much fun last year was on that Friday clincher during the playoff games. We crave for moments like that as sports fans. So you could get that for an entire month now. It's going to be oh, terrific. The, the, the hair pulling out feeling for a whole month is a lot. I, to answer your question quickly, I will say definitely more excited because of where the Mariners are in their roster, their window, their time. Like 100% more excited than I am nervous because this isn't like a last Hail Mary attempt mm-hmm. at what you hope is a three or more year of you know competing for the division title. Like this isn't a all of our guys are old and everybody's got to be paid next year. And this is the do or die moment for the Mariners. I don't feel that way. So certainly more excited than nervous. Yeah. So actually, John Morosi yesterday on with Wyman and Bob said he would take the Mariners roster over the next five years over everyone except the Braves, Dodgers. And then he threw the Orioles out there because now the Orioles are ascending pretty yeah, well and, and they have a loaded systems. farm system. Yeah, yeah. So out of everyone in baseball, though, over the next five years, John Morosi said the Mariners have a top five roster situation, maybe top two yeah, in the American yeah, League. The AL, yeah. So that's fun. So we can plan for the future in that excitement, but we can get excited now about what awaits. And just think, I mean, Justin, you have some recent experience during that Bengals Super Bowl run. How stressful were those stakes? But would you have traded that for anything? No, no, you know what all. mediocrity feels like. Of course. I, I told more the other day. I was like, there's a part of me that was a, a sports fan and of the Bengals and the Mariners for so long that was just accepting of the fact. It's like, hey, these games are so stress-free because my teams have never been good for so long that I didn't have to have those stressful sports experiences. But I was so envious of it my entire life watching playoff baseball. I was like, cannot wait. For when that gets to be me watching the Mariners in the playoffs. And the last time it had happened, I, was, I wasn't even a teenager yet. So, yeah, I want that. And I know what mediocrity is. And it's not a place that I want to go back to in a sports fandom. Like, I'm not going to throw you into the bus here, Lefko, but you've cheered for some teams that haven't been good for very long. And you know exactly how boring and not exciting and, and unfulfilling and I don't know how else to play, just depressing it can be. It's good. So, I mean, so yeah, no, it's like, fair. It's a, it's a place you want to be because the payoff is so rewarding and the hurt lingers. Sure. But I was going to, but that's what you crave to say, just to go back to the beginning of that is like, I was not, I realized because of how long my teams that I cheered for were never really all that competitive Mm -hmm. was how unprepared emotionally I was for when they became competitive. It's like, Oh, I don't have an emotional basis to build this upon. And now I'm the irrational fan that can't put, can't can't keep it in check. Uh, I do have to acknowledge that M's fans got a little taste last year. Right. Oh, perfect. And I think, yeah, that set the tone that you're not just jumping in full bore of, don't make the playoffs, don't make the playoffs. Oh, here's the division race. You built up to it last year. You got that taste of the wild card. You won a series. You, you played a series against a team that has been the standard bearer of getting to the World Series over the past few seasons. So you've built to this. And I think now we're ready. But a division race throws in a whole other kind of pressure and yeah. excitement. And I, I think we saw that during the Monday and Tuesday night against the A's. Those are playoff-type crowds. Now, I mean, Tuesday was a little 
lackluster in terms of the performance and what actually happened. But the atmosphere, the buildup, and the actual crowd on a Monday and a Tuesday night against the horrible Oakland A's. I mean, that's just a playoff crowd ready for excitement, ready to experience the Mariners, regardless of opponent. So that is going to be pretty cool. Oh, yeah. So I wanted to uh, acknowledge Andrew and Elma because this is a good, well, actually, he said, uh, the Mariners season doesn't end until November 4th. You heard it here first. There we go. Andrew. Props to that. That is true. Uh, I was saying the regular season because we know the set end date there, but that's the only correction we'll allow on the show this morning that if you're going to play it out, the entirety of the playoffs Technically, yes. The Mariners season does not have one month left. We're just talking about the regular season, though, because this is what will decide the division. The stakes are high. It goes from you're going to have a bye in the playoffs because the Twins are terrible. The AL Central winner is going to be the third seed. They're not going to get a bye. So you go from a situation where we see it in the NFL a lot. I mean, look at the times we saw it with the Seahawks and the 49ers. Those stakes of, well, you win the division and you're a one or two seed, uh, you lose, and you're a wild card. And you're going on the road to play a division winner that's probably not as good. So the stakes are pretty high here for the Mariners. They can win the division. That would be incredible. Unseat the Astros, get a bye in the first round, and then make the Astros and or Rangers have to play that extra round. We were kind of talking about this before we got on the air. If it is the Astros is the second wild card, they're going to have to play the Rays. That's a tough series. I mean, Tampa has struggled a little bit, but the Mariners are going to see them on this road trip, the full force of a Tampa team that had been in first for most of the season until Baltimore just surged past them. So if you lose this division, you're going to have to go through Tampa. And that's a tough road to get to. And then you have that two seed, maybe the Mariners, sitting there waiting, home field advantage, flip the script on what happened last year when the Astros were the team with home field advantage, and... We'll see what happens. So well, it's going to be Scott, fun. Scott pointed out at the up of those banners and said, let's add another one. So now that's what I'm doing. Now that that's where I'm rooting. For. That's where every all of my emotions lie in hanging a banner, not making a wild card. That's fantastic. I like that. I'm on board with that. Uh, Ryan Roland Smith's going to join us at seven. So we'll get his thoughts and we'll kind of dig into what the AL West race will actually come down to and then get a little more insight uh, on the matchup this weekend because the road trip begins with three against the Mets. So we have Gary Hill joining us at 730, Shannon Dreyer at nine o'clock, but uh, a lot to get to a big weekend for all these teams, the Rangers, the Astros, and of course the Mariners, plus some MLB history was made last night and you'll hear about it up next. This is the Brock and Salk show on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. The Mariners are on uh, Immaculate Grid today, so I'm going to be distracted. Mariners Nationals, Mariners Cardinals, Mariners Guardians. So uh, get excited for that one, everyone. But you also need to know that all three AL West division contenders were off yesterday. They're all back in action today. The Mariners face off against uh, the Mets and Kodai Senga in that ghost fork ball. This was Jerry Depoto on Senga last November talking about him being one of the most talented pitchers in the world. I don't think anybody sees it, <laughs> judging by the results that that the opponents have uh, have experienced. He has, uh, you know, Kodai is among the most talented pitchers in the world. Just you know, in in the draft room, we generally reference arm talent, and, and Kodai is an extreme arm talent. He he sits around 100 miles an hour, upper 90s, routinely touching 100 as a starter, carrying a you know deep workload. And his primary out pitch is a, is a ghost fork ball or a split finger you know, that, that just disappeared. 
All right, so that's uh, what the Mariners are going to see today. 4-10 first pitch, pregame at 3 here on Seattle Sports. Meanwhile, the Rangers host the Twins for 3 starting at 5.05. And the Astros begin a stretch of 15 of their next 21 games at home with a series against the Yankees and a 5-10 first pitch. We'll dig into that uh, a little bit more, the schedule and how that might affect these teams before they get to that final stretch where the Mariners play the Rangers, the Astros, and the Rangers. And how about down in Tacoma last night? Jared Kelnick was the DH and hit second. He singled in his first at bat, finished the game one for three with a walk and two runs scored. So we'll hear a little bit more about Kelnick and uh, discuss uh, his potential progress along the way. Here's the second thing you need to know. There's a lot happening in baseball yesterday. So we've hit September. Rosters expand to 28 and while we uh, kind of have an idea about who the Mariners are going to add, because Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times noted on Wednesday that Sam Haggerty was in the clubhouse. And, of course, they made the move yesterday to add Dominique Leone. Uh, Divish also said that Adam Aller was in the clubhouse. So we'll wait on the official announcement, but might have some idea about who we'll see as rosters expand to 28 today for all teams around baseball. And a few key waiver wire moves that will affect the Mariners. The Reds claimed outfielders Hunter Renfro and Harrison Bader. The Mariners began a series there on Monday. Well, the Guardians, well, they grabbed pretty much uh, every pitcher that the Angels were offering. Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, and Matt Moore. Now, Cleveland does play the Rangers in a series in two weeks, that weekend of September 15th, so that could be uh, an effect that they have on this AL West division race. And last night, Ronald Acuna Jr., well, he think I, I think he had probably the best day and night of anyone in recent history because he got married yesterday. This was before the game. Then he hit a grand slam in the second inning of the Braves' 8-7 win over the Dodgers to become the first player in MLB history with 30 home runs and 60 steals in a season. So not to dismiss anyone else out there, but if you had a day like that, please text in. Otherwise, uh, we're going to give credit to Ronald Acuna Jr. for maybe the best Thursday uh, out of anyone here. Here's the third thing you need to know. The Seahawks had their final practice before game week. They're now off until Monday. Devin Witherspoon, Jamal Adams, Daryl Taylor, and Derek Hall all did not practice yesterday. But if you want some potentially concerning injury news for the Seahawks' week one opponent, the Rams, sounds like Cooper Cup uh, had a little bit of a setback in recovering from a hamstring injury. Uh, yeah, he, uh, he, got a, he got a little... Um Got a little muscle strain, so we're kind of taking it day by day with him. I would probably call it a setback. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. To be available for the opener? I think we're taking it a day at a time right now. All right, so we'll let Sean McVay call it a setback. But there it is, uh, Cooper Cup trying to come back from that. Now, this is still over a week away, the first game of the season, September 10th. But... Seahawks not the only ones dealing with some injury news, uh, so Cooper Cup has that setback there. Interesting to watch. We'll certainly watch that closely as game week uh, comes up beginning on Monday and then the Seahawks season opener on the 10th. Now, how about some college football last night? That got underway in the final days of the Pac-12. Uh, it began in full last night with a few games. Technically, yes, opening weekend uh, was last Saturday, that week zero that they talk about. But college football began uh, with some action from the Pac-12. 14th-ranked Utah clamped down on Florida 24-11, to while Arizona State had 
An adventurous 24-21 win over Southern Utah. So the Pac-12 at the dawn of its final season. Uh, a lot of optimism and a lot of expectations with USC, Washington, Oregon State, Oregon, and Utah all ranked. Uh, we'll have Michael Bumpus actually joining us at 745 for Blue 88. So then I'm going to sneak in a Pac-12 question for Bump there because he's well-versed in all things Pac-12 and college football. And we'll get his thoughts on that. But that is uh, everything you need to know. What do you guys think about uh, Kodai Senga and that ghost forkball? I remember Brock being so enamored with it. When the I first do time remember. He heard yeah. It, but he just couldn't stop saying the words ghost forkball. Well, and then Logan Gilbert taught himself. So he was yeah. kind of showing us the grip at spring training. That was pretty fun. I just, I think people get fascinated and enamored with a new name or a new word for a Definitely. pitch where yeah. it's often some variety or some variation of a pitch that's already happened. But you throw that out there, and that's why the, the term sweeper has gotten all the, all the buzz, where really it's just a slider that has some more horizontal movement. But, yeah, you hear that phrase, and it does uh, equate to, whoa, this guy's got something special. So the Mariners face off against yeah. uh, Kodai Senga, who but struck out like when, 10 in his last start. Like when action sports athletes add new trick names to something, <laughs> and they get to name it, and they just love it. <laughs> People go nuts over the name. Sean Y had the like what like McFly twist yeah. or McTwist. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so all right, we we got to think of ideas to name a new pitch. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think we should. We definitely need to do this. Okay. Maybe, Maybe Logan Gilbert might even be open to it. He seems weird enough to be able to take suggestions on new pitch uh, formations and grips. Maybe we throw that into. So we're doing. You guys have done this before. I've never done this. You'll have to help explain it. We're doing that. Your pitch clock game right yeah, at eight thirty. Yeah. That could be a question, huh? Of like, ask Ryan Wollen Smith. I don't know if he's listening right now. Hopefully, he's not for this very second. Hopefully, he is for his drive in, but he's not right now because maybe one of those questions is, "What would you name a pitch if you could name one?" Hmm. Okay, well, let's think of some variation of that question just to make it a little bit harder. There we go. All right, because hopefully Ryan's listening. Uh, he's going to join us at seven. There is uh, everything you need to know. But up next, Jerry Depoto will uh, catch up with Brock and with Salk to talk about that historic month of August and what's in store for this AL West race. This is the Brock and Salk Show on Seattle Sports and the Seattle. Sports app. The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports. 21 wins in a month, Jerry, just like you drew it up. How do you win 21 games in a month? I, I wish I knew. <laughs> I think we'd go ahead and coin the formula and reapply it for, for September and take it from there. What uh, what was I like as a as as the architect of it? Watching your team win twenty one games in one month, what does that feel like? Probably just the way it felt for the fans, and you know, I know Scott felt the same way. It's, when you get on these rolls, just enjoy it. It's so much fun, and you know, I, I think I said it last week, and I'll say it again. Now that the month is over, I mean the. The way August went for us, I mean, he couldn't have drawn it up any better. And, you know, we kind of needed something special like that to happen, to put us in the position we're in. Now we wake up in, in September tomorrow, I guess, and, and we'll, we have, uh, for the first time, put together a, a, a club that's in first place as we head into September. And, and uh, you know, that's a special thing. And to, to have it happen in the way it happened where, you know, we had Teo and we had Julio and Cal hit a homer, what seemed like every other day, but yeah, every single player on that roster from one to 26 and even a couple of other guys that weren't there from the start chipped in. And it was such a team effort throughout. And that's what made it feel so special for everybody. You know, one of the things we really appreciate, Jerry, is when you give us kind of some of that behind the scenes and the numbers and the things that you guys look at that even the most devout and uh, 
sabermetric star out there outside of your walls doesn't always see from from some of those numbers, some of those next level numbers. How did you guys go about winning 21 games? What jumped out to you statistically speaking? Well, I mean, we three strike one. That's the the biggest thing, and it's really. It, if you had to write the book, what's the one thing the Mariners are about? It's throwing strike one. And our pitchers did it, you know, religiously all month long, and they've excelled at it all year long. And it's something that, that really we feel does give us a, a tremendous advantage. And we did that. Uh, we started to pick up hits in the big situations where maybe in, in May and June, May and June, we were struggling. You know, our everything ramped up. Our runners in scoring position ramped up. We have, and I know I've said this to you guys throughout the year, you know, we haven't really struggled from day one to create base runners. We've been very good at, at, at putting runners on base. We just weren't great at converting them early in the season. And what we saw in August was guys started coming up big and and the dial started landing on the same guys it was landing on in may and june and this time they came through and you know it's uh it really changed the whole the, the whole arc of our season we're going to get into uh, a bunch of those players etc but before we go any farther i just wanted to take a moment here and, and just ask about some of these injury updates and specifically the one that i know is on the mind of every seattle mariner fan this morning do we have any new information on julio uh, no, nothing new, you know, other than we don't think it's a major issue. Uh, we should know more. I, I have not been in touch with the guys this morning. I'm back in Seattle today myself, a little banged up. <laughs> so, um, you know, that's, that's what happened in New York? What happened? Uh, I came down with COVID. So I am, uh, oh, I'm homesick, uh, so oh. to speak. And uh, I do think that, that, you know, the, the Julio situation should be resolved in, in days, uh, hopefully by tomorrow, but really won't know until I check in with the, the medical people. Interesting. So is this the way you uh, found to get out of having to wear the uh, Run DMC getup? <laughs> I have to tell you, I was disappointed not to wear it. I, it, uh, it was, it's looking at the, it's, that's kind of our era, you know, and, and so fun. And I, I think a, a great thing, Julio, it was his idea to, to have the team do it. And, you know, Scott happened to know somebody who knew Rev Run and it turned into a, a thing, which, which that winds up being one of those little team bonding things that, that we have run into so many times over these last eight years. And, and they're really fun. Who wore it best? Who wore it worst? I think Julio wears everything back. Right? Just to be honest with <laughs> okay. it, you know he looks better in things than most of us do. We, like Gino. we thought Gino uh, wore it very well. Mora pointed out that Gino kind of has the right look for it. Uh, Gino also has the right look for anything, and more than anything, Gino has the right confidence for anything. <laughs> he can put anything on, and it it looks naturally better because his confidence level is is such that he can sell it. Yeah. I, I will reserve comment on, on who I think wore it worst, but I have to say, just that looking at some of the imagery, because I wasn't there to see it, but looking at some of the imagery and just picturing in my mind, I don't think it's something that Bone would pull off very easily. But you never know. He, he could be the one rocking it better than anybody. I mean, I saw Scott. That's, I don't know if that was a good look whoa, for Scott. Whoa, I love whoa. Scott. I really whoa. do. <laughs> I don't know whether I would say Scott pulled it off. What do you think? <laughs> I don't want to create, like, you know, a tension in the ranks here, but... Did Scott pull it off? 
hard questions today. I, say, I, I, I have to say, it's, I wouldn't think it's the aisle Scott's naturally drawn to when he goes into the department store, but it's, I thought he did okay with it. Hey, Jerry, you had mentioned to us a few different times Julio this year and just some of the adjustments, and, and I love that stuff. And and I'm, I'm curious, has Teo done anything different, or is this just Teo, man? And when he gets hot, you let him ride. I think the latter. You know, and, and we've learned so much about Teo. I, and, you know, obviously he has had kind of an up-and-down run and, you know, been more up and down for the last three months, really. And, you know, he was – awesome in June and we got a glimpse of what he could be. And, you know, I, I think Justin hit on this somewhere over the last couple of days. And, and I, and I think it's spot on it, the, the, the pressure associated with a team with expectations that's underperforming as you head into the trade deadline and the, the what that creates for the guys in the clubhouse. It's I, I've lived through that in my lifetime and it's not easy. And, you know, in, in this case, I do think that for a couple of our players, maybe tail most notably, just the, the, the ability to relax and breathe after the trade deadline and, and go about your business really did a lot. And, you know, he's, He's killing it right now, and I, you know, I wish I could tell you why it, it, it went up, down, and then up again. But this time, he's bouncing even higher, which is kind of, you know, a thing we do is is we learn from those adverse situations and we bounce a little bit higher. And and right now, Teo has been as hot as anybody in the league, not named Julio or Mookie. So it's, uh, you know, good for him that that he was able to do it and good for us because he came just at the right time. So how do you know? I would think, in fact, I was talking to somebody in your organization just this week who said to me that they feel like more and more the biggest challenge in baseball was just trying to determine when someone's going to turn it around or if they're going to turn it around. How do you know when to be patient with a player and when to pivot and move on to someone else? You know, usually it's work, you know, it's who's putting in the work, who's taking the time, who's trying to make the adjustments, you know, and then you're looking at underlying data, you know, like what Brock said earlier, we're always looking at what's happening under the hood. Are they swinging at the right pitches? Are they hitting the ball hard? Is this something, you know, this, this hot streak or struggle, is it something that stands out from their career norms? And, and, and then just try to make the best decision you can once you manage all of that information. But you know, Teo, Teo really hadn't done anything terribly differently this year than he did any other year of his career. He still hit the ball hard. You know, he's always had a little bit of chase in his game, especially with the breaking ball. And uh, he just didn't really get those hot streaks like he like he has historically. But, you know, as I said, in two of the last three months, he hasn't just been hot. He's been torrid hot. And now when you look up, we're heading into September and his counting stats are right on par with the things that he's always done, which is, you know, frankly, it's why we traded for him was to deliver what he's delivering and, and throughout with, with Teo. And, and I think you've heard me say this, you're not going to get a better guy. Great smile. Awesome in the clubhouse. He works his tail off every day and he never changed, you know, and then he never blamed any type of struggle, any type of, you know, like, the three week downturns that he might have experienced through the years, he he kept coming right back, talking about the team game and focusing on the things that he could do and 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 then lo and behold, he kind of broke through and, and hopefully he can keep it running this way through October. Jerry, you believe in clutch? I do. I absolutely do. Momentum too is a big thing for me, which I think we saw uh, night before last. <laughs> you know, clutch is you 
there's some guys that just know how to breathe when the moment gets a little bit bigger and you know, they, they know how to keep themselves in tune. They, they find something in themselves. And, you know, for th- those clutch moments, they, they do come up, you know, when they're happening. I, I, I'm a minor league manager once tell me uh, I'm a pitcher and, and I had all my numbers were, were as good as you could be. I'm striking them out. I'm not walking them. I'm getting it on the ground, but I'm not winning games. I'm never out there to win games. And when I am, I'm, I'm taking losses. And, and he said to me, there are three moments in a game where you absolutely know the game is on the line. You have to start identifying what those moments are and then react and respond. And, and uh, there are some guys that just naturally know that. And, you know, we've had more than a few of those moments in, over the course of this last month. And, and our guys have responded quite well, which tells you that they're identifying. Well, it's been fun for us. I think every single week, whether it's you or Scott or somebody, is giving proper due to J.P. Crawford. Uh, because I think he gets a little lost in Julio, the pitching, everything else that has been accomplished. Uh, but 7 for 11 with the bases loaded with those two RBIs yesterday that did, that ended up being the the game changing RBI 7 of 11 hitting 636 this season with the bases loaded to me that speaks to exactly what you just said now nah, JP and it, this says this is no knock to any of the other players on our roster but truly from day 1 this year he has been the most consistent player on our roster that you know we've had some pitchers that have done their thing but position player group no one has been more consistently good than jp and you know and he does it when you need it uh, things like yesterday stand out things like the you know what i thought was an awesome you know play he made on a line drive back through the middle with the game on the line against the yankees you know not too long ago and and you know he, he's had so many moments like that during the course of his time here that you don't even really think about it he's just naturally that kind of guy he's the mm-hmm. he's the point guard that sometimes makes the pass, sometimes hit the three-pointer, or sometimes carves through the defense, but always gets the job done. You know, and it's a, it's, it's really a joy having him on the team because you know he's going to respond well in those situations, and it's a, that, that's how good teams go. They have J.P. Crawford. Well, it's funny. I was going to ask you uh, about JP, and I think you probably just answered it. I was going to ask you which is most valuable to you, JP the shortstop, JP the leadoff hitter, or JP the leader. But just listening to you, it sounds like it's kind of all three. So maybe it's an unfair question to ask. It really is, you know, and I, and I think the, his leadership comes in so many different ways. You know, he's sometimes he's vocal, but not all the time. You know, and and I, I know in when we're watching sports movies we're looking for the you know the vocal leader jp's not really that guy it's like the quiet pressure all the time it's an intensity it's a it's a competitiveness that burns all the time while when you're around him it looks like he's in you know in first gear all all the time and there's just he's just as as chill as you get until it until the game starts and then the everything gets ramped up and uh, I think a really good teammate. He gets along with everybody in that clubhouse. He's a, I think he believes in the things that, that, that make us go, you know, that we have talked about internally, organizationally for years, and it shows up in his game every day. 
Well, record-setting month, and it's been awfully fun for us, Jerry, to get some of the national voices uh, on our show over the course of this week. Tom Verducci was on earlier in the week. Buster Olney was on. Both those guys shared some some great stories. I know you jumped on Buster's podcast as well. But this resonated with me. This was Jeff Passan with us on a regular hit on Tuesday with Jeff Passan. And this isn't talking about the team on the field that everybody watches. This is talking about what's going on behind the scenes. Here was Jeff with us. As good as the Mariners have been at taking scrappy relievers and turning them not just into reputable big league arms, but actually good big league arms, they're developing a reputation for doing the same thing with young bats. We we saw it with Noel DiMarte and saw it with Edwin Arroyo, and both of them ended up getting Luis Castillo. Now we're seeing it with Young and Emerson and Ty Pete and Johnny Farmello is going to be playing, and Felmin Celestin. They're, what the Mariners are doing right now is a really nice exercise in building a sustainable win. Was it pitching first, and now the young bats come along? Was that the infrastructure in the plan at the beginning? That's what we always talked about. And uh, it's really nice to hear that. I didn't hear that 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 bit from the the show on Tuesday, but you know that was the goal throughout was to to lay in a foundation of pitching because you don't win unless you can pitch. And you know we understood the the dynamics of our ballpark and the environment that we play in, and and that our quickest road. You know, if I had to go back to you know the the 2018 2019 off season when we started this this version of of our of our roster building exercise. You know, in that time, you know, the goal was what is the quickest road for us to win the World Series and stay at that level of competitiveness? And and this is what we came up with was, you know, laying the foundation with pitching, start to develop. We were very college heavy early in our drafts, you know, to try to get players closer to the big leagues and fill the voids that we knew were there. And then here in recent years, we've gotten more high school heavy to, to get the kind of upside talent in your system that you need to tip the scale. And, you know, and to the credit of everybody in our scouting and player development departments, Scott Hunter and Frankie Thon and Justin Tool and Andy McKay through those years and everybody else that's contributed, we feel like we've really made great inroads. We've always wanted to not just win, but win in a sustainable, you know, consistent way. And, and I feel like we're, we're on that path. Uh, today is uh, the waiver claim uh, day, last day for that before uh, playoff rosters would have to be set, or at the very least people would have to be in your organization. What do we know about today's waiver claim situation? Well, I, I think we publicly know more than we are supposed to know <laughs> is, uh, is the easy answer to that question. So, you know, rather than contributing to something I'm not supposed to be contributing to, I, I can tell you that the, it's it's a really interesting uh, development in in the last few days around baseball. And, and I'm sure like you know, many, many other teams in the league, we're, we are likely to be active today. What time is that? Do we know that? Is that public? What time is that? Uh, usually it's a, it, it's about one o'clock Eastern time okay. when the, 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 the waivers are done. But it's, uh, you know, again, I, I do think a lot of that was not intended to be public information. And, you know, we obviously we can't get too in depth on, on the things we do. Or well, won't do I won't ask you about that. I, I'm more curious about what that process looks like. What, what, how do you find out? And when that all came down, right. I mean, we, we had Buster on and Buster was kind of presenting it from like a, 
Ooh, I don't know about the owners on this, well, right? I, I don't. I, I, he, I get that you can't kind of talk about some of that, but how how do you physically find out that you've been awarded a waiver claim or who has? Like, what, what does that process look like for a team? So every day we get a waiver bulletin, and you know there are only certain people uh, in an organization who have you know who are who have access to that bulletin, and. And uh, it's it goes out to all 30 clubs, and you find out who's been waived and what type of waivers that player's on. There, there are a variety of different types of waivers. And, uh, you know, once they go on, typically it's a 48-hour period that you have to wait, and, and the claims go in. And it's really as simple as just pushing a button on a computer. You know, yes, we put in a claim. And, and uh, you know, and then – by the time it all shakes out in the wash on whatever their that day is, you know, 48 hours from the post, uh, they they will determine by reverse order of record. So the team with the worst record goes first, all the way back to you know what would right now be the Atlanta Braves, and and uh, whoever the first team claiming that that player on waivers is with the worst record of those that claimed him is awarded the claim, and then effectively from there, you just assume the player's contract and, and, and rights. So what if, you have a, what if you've claimed three players on any given day and all three of them get awarded to you? Do you have to then take all three? Yeah, so this, I've actually lived through this very exercise and talked about it this week. <laughs> um, in 2007, uh, when I was with the Diamondbacks, we had, uh, you know, back then it was trade waivers, August trade right. waivers, but there were a variety of different types of trade waivers or waivers in general. Uh, you know, one of them, which is, you know, outright waivers, uh, the other is trade waivers. The, those are the two most prominent. There are also release waivers. And you know, but back in 2007, there were trade waivers, and you could routinely claim players. And you may remember this from your your past in, in covering the game. You could claim players in theory to block other teams from getting that player. And you know, it's if 10 teams selected a player, claimed a player, only the team with the worst record had the option of of acquiring that player. So, you know, we, we thought we were making strategic moves and, you know, we claimed three players on one day and the, the, the phone calls to those teams to, to let them know, you know, we're not really interested in so-and-so. And, you know, we, we wound up claiming two players. We did want to add one player we were trying to block and, Roughly, the GMs on the other side of the phone said, "Well, you're getting them all." <laughs> so we, it's kind of like a silent auction item. Yeah. yeah, it was just pretty crazy. But we, you know, we added two players, and then we wound up uh, releasing the third, which didn't go over too well with our owner. But it is what it is. You walk around those silent auction items, yeah. man. You put your bid number down. <laughs> you, you walk away, and you Went wonder at the end of the night, what, what do I got? <laughs> How many am I walking away fine. with? Somebody else is going to likely bid on this, right? I'm not walking away hey, with that. We only have a couple more minutes. I want to make sure we get an update on Jared Kelnick. Uh, I know we saw reports yesterday that he's in AAA, should maybe even start tonight. Where are we at with Jared Kelnick? Yeah, I think JK, is, uh, at least from from the last update, is is expected to – Provided he shows up feeling good today, I think he's going to DH tonight in Tacoma. And, you know, we'll be on our way. We'll see how many at-bats or reps it takes for him to to get ready. And, you know, th- these these rehab assignments, you have 21 days or 20 days for a rehab assignment. We won't take all 20, obviously, if he feels good. It, roughly, just tell us when you feel like your timing's good. And we 
see visual proof of the fact that he's bouncing back. And tonight, it feels good tonight. I'm ready to go tonight. I want my Run DMC outfit. Put me on the plane. It feels good tonight. Feel great, Jerry. I'm sure if we're winning on this road trip, I'm guaranteeing you that you know, it's not the last time you'll see that Run DMC. Yeah. Hey, can you give me a little thumbnail uh, on this road trip, starting with these Mets, a little scouting perspective as you'll be home watching it like uh, all the rest of us over the course of this weekend. What do we expect in this series? You know, I, the Mets are right now, obviously they had a really rough summer and uh, turned into a pretty active trade deadline. And and right now I think you're you're getting the Mets at a time where they're trying to figure out what some of their roster looks like for next year. You know, but like the way you wouldn't necessarily draw it up, we are getting the, the top of their rotation down. <laughs> so we're, we're walking in and we're facing the best pitching that they have. And, and that's always going to make it tough. And they've got, they still have some notable middle of the order hitters, guys like Alonzo and Lindor. And, and these are very dangerous teams to play who are, you know, effectively no longer in a pennant race, but they've got awesome players. And, you know, and that's, we have to be conscious that anybody beats you on any given day and, and while you might be getting them at a time where overall it looks like they're down, they got a lot to play for. They've got a couple of really good young players and a couple of superstars in the middle. And, you know, tread with caution. You know, we'll, we'll pitch well. I'm confident of that. And, and hopefully we execute. Then we go on to Cincinnati where they are dogfighting for a postseason spot themselves really talented position player club that I think is not too dissimilar from where we were, you know, three, four years ago in gathering talent. They just did it in the opposite way. You know, they went with, they went with the bats first and they're trying to wait for those arms to catch up. But, you know, again, I think we're going to see guys like Hunter Green and Andrew Abbott who are very good. And, and, you know, it's a, they do have a talented bullpen and it'll be an interesting series for sure, because you're going to get to see some of the most athletic position players in the big leagues between the two teams. It's just a fun group. And, and then Tampa, who's been a staple, and the, the trip, yeah, I guess the, the road to the postseason for a lot of years, Tampa's been on it, and we're going to have to go through them in order to get to where we want to go for sure. Real, real quick, I know you got to run, we do as well, but just wanted a quick update on Tom Murphy. Saw that Luis Torrens was back in the organization yesterday. I don't know if those two things are connected at all, but how's Tom doing in his recovery? Yeah, they're a little bit connected, but not, you know, completely connected. We, we brought LT back, you know, in because of the, our catching depth with, you know, with Brian O'Keefe in the big leagues, our catching depth wasn't where we thought it should be. And, you know, we were fortunate enough to, to know LT. LT knows our systems and our people. And, you know, the, the, it just made it a, a very easy ad. Murph is actually making some progress. You know, he's into his baseball activities in, in Arizona. Uh, like Jared Kelnick, he's likely to, to require some type of, of uh, you know, rehab assignment before being activated. And, you know, unlike Jared, he's not yet to the point where we're ready to put him out there in games, and we're still taking it day by day. Jerry, great stuff. What a fun month. Uh, what an unbelievable experience. We were just over, we were talking about it, and Scott mentioned it too. The ballpark, I know is a loss, but the ballpark on Tuesday night in the fourth inning of all things with the bases loaded and just the way everyone got into it, it, it started to feel like fall, and there's going to be a heck of a September and then hopefully October after that. So thank you. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Feel better. Thanks, guys. All right, that is Mariners President of Baseball Operations, Jerry Depoto, with uh, Brock and Salk yesterday. We're going to dig into the keys to the AL West race, everything you need to know about what's going to take place over the final month of the season. Ryan Roland-Smith will join me next. This is the Brock and Salk Show on Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app.